Hello, welcome back to the Wednesday episode of this week of Let's Open the Bible. It's Gavin and Russ. <laughs> That's your best one yet. You like that? I like it. Yeah. It sounded like you knew what you were talking about. Well, the broke clock's right twice a day. Yep. You want to say uh, hello from Thomasville? What does that sound like? A, a lot of just bad things went through my mind, so I'm not going to go there. <laughs> How uh, about Pittsburgh? Hello. Yins guys? Yins. Hey, Yins guys. How you doing? Where? That's not Pittsburgh. Yins guys is Pittsburgh. Okay. Pittsburghese? I wouldn't know. Right. So howdy. You've already done that one. So we uh, we just realized our error uh, in yesterday's episode. We failed to mention uh, the the passing Keller. the passing of Tim Keller, and uh, you know, sort of like uh, you know, Billy. I love the quote from Billy Graham. One day you're going to hear that Billy Graham is dead. Don't believe it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Tim Keller is is a good has been a good and faithful servant. Uh, I, I feel uh, that he's added uh, in his lifetime of serving the Lord. He's he's added a lot to the uh, uh, Christological community. Uh, a deep thinker, um, just clear communicator, deep thinker. Yeah. Uh, seemed to be a pleasant guy to be around. So, yeah. um, you know, you know, one of the things that that I always think about is, that, you know, you have theological differences with with everybody. You and I disagree, but uh, I can't I can't wait to see him in heaven. Um, and he, he won't be, obviously, he won't be the most important one that I'm going to encounter in heaven. That will be Christ Jesus. But, uh, but I, I love that all our differences will be answered. All the, the, the theological, cultural, any difference you have, it will be absolutely a non-issue in heaven. We will be perfectly united. Um, and then, then the other thing is, uh, my wife read to me, uh, I don't know what, uh, some type of posting that Tim Keller put out there. And he, he just said, I thank you all for the prayers. I really do. You know, he, he was so appreciative and then said, but I, I want to see Jesus. Yeah. And that's how, I, I mean, I want to live th that way now. And I, f I feel like I meditate enough on the goodness of God and the glory of God and, and longing to be in his presence that, that, uh, like I, I can say with Paul that, um, I'm torn between two desires uh, to depart and be with Christ, I'd rather do that. He says, I'd rather depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. I think Tim Keller realized that to remain in the flesh was no longer necessary, that he had been set free from that obligation, and to be with Christ was far better, and he just longed to see him. Nevertheless, he leaves behind a, right. not just a great legacy, but a lot of people that love him, right. uh, friends, family, uh, that need our prayers. Right. So Epaphroditus in Philippians 2. So Philippians 1 is the passage I was just kind of alluding to. Philippians 2, Epaphroditus, had he been taken, there would have been sorrow upon sorrow. Yeah. So he grieves. We grieve. Um, you know, I, I like John Don's Meditation 17, where he says, you know, we are a part of humanity. Which means that if any, the passing of anyone affects us, whether it's someone we, we didn't know that well, which is kind of a, 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 a clod falling into the ocean, or if it's someone that we love dearly, which is a whole promontory falling in, you know, everything falling into the ocean. Either way, we are affected, and I think that's a that's a beautiful way of looking at it. I am affected by uh, the passing of Tim Keller. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, let's say we. Uh Let's say you open us in prayer, and then, we're to, uh, listener, we're going to read uh, Titus chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. But, Gavin, you want to get us going with some prayer? Sure. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we uh, come and lift up the family, the Keller family, and uh, the, the, I think it's Redeemer Church in New York City. I ask that they would feel your presence, especially as they now walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that they would fear no evil, for you are with them. Your rod and your staff uh, comfort them. 
And Heavenly Father, I pray that you would use this as an opportunity for them to draw nigh unto you. Um, certainly they will long to be reunited with their father, their husband, uh, the passing of, of this man. But, uh, but God, you are even more beautiful. And I pray that we all learn to long for heaven to be in your presence um, and to be about your work, to live is Christ, and, and that we, you, we would understand the high calling to be about your work while we live. Heavenly Father, as Russ and I open uh, your word, I pray that you would give us clarity of thought and wisdom as we study it, and that we would be able to uh, say what it says, uh, not what we want it to say, and, and that it would be true. It is true that we would communicate that well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So again, that's Titus chapter 1, uh, and uh, verses 15 and 16, to the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their mind and their conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. Okay. Where do you want to start? Well, to the pure, everything is pure. Okay. T- two different applications there. One, things have been purified uh, through prayer and through God's word, right? We know that from 1 Timothy 4. So um, we are free in Christ to receive a, l- a lot of things. You know, all things are permissible, not all things are profitable. Um, so, so that may be one way of looking at it. But the other way of looking at it is, um, have you ever met that person that is um, a pathological liar? Sure. They think everybody lies. Yeah. The, the, the people that are womanizers are the ones that think everybody is cheating, unfaithful, right? And so to the pure, all things are pure. And, and, and I think this certainly has some cultural context and other things, but, but just maybe as a, a matter of application is when you have, when you have this innocence to you, you don't, I remember growing up and, and I just thought everything in my life was just dandy. And as I got older, I realized how in the world did I miss the storms around me? All right. the chaos and and hate and um, just uh, sin going on around me. I was in my own little world, and and you miss it's it's like those jokes where you tell in front of kids and they just don't pick up on them. They they don't get the double entendre, triple entendre. They you know you you know some of the, especially now cartoons will put those in there, and you know your your jaw hits the ground like why would they put that in there? At, or even some chuckle you know at the double entendre. But kids are, you know, they don't they don't pick up on that because they're they're innocent to those things. They're not aware of those things. And to the pure, all things are pure. Yeah, I think uh, one one kind of illustration that that uh, I thought of was uh, I I don't know that they listened, but they wouldn't know I'm speaking of them. Name um, this young lady that I taught in middle school. Um, and I am not making a comparison to Santa Claus and Christ. Please, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is just an illustration that you know this this middle schooler still believed in in Santa Claus. His parents, her parents rather, had kind of um, somehow, some way, shape, or form protected her from hearing that Santa Claus wasn't real. Okay. And so we were having a middle school Christmas party, and I didn't know this, by the way. And so we were having a middle school Christmas party, and of course. You know, my my being a dummy head, just assumed that by this time all middle schoolers knew that Santa Claus wasn't real. And um, I hope you're doing it again. Yeah. I hope somebody out there is it, listening. It they're just going, hit me. They're hitting the play. Yeah. They're stop, stop, stop. Yeah. That would be so funny. Yeah. I being a dummy head revealed to our listening audience that Santa Claus so, is not real. I hope there's a 50 year old that calls you up and says, "Wait a second, Santa Claus is not real." I almost spilled the beans though at at the house at the at this party. Uh, and, and so 
it kind of reminds me of that a little bit. You know, here, you know, she she was a hopeful person, living her life hopeful that there was a Santa Claus, uh, that that if she was just good, uh, you know, she would she would get these gifts. And her dad was in a financial position to be able to provide these gifts or whatever. And again, I am not drawing a comparison between Christ and Santa Claus, but that just speaks to the innocence of young children, especially. And I think that's one reason why, not to take us into a, a, a bad direction be here, but but I think that's one reason why when the innocence of a child is betrayed uh, in an abusive situation of some kind, it's even more difficult for that child to move forward. Oh, yeah. Because their innocence was shattered. Whatever type of abuse, their innocence was shattered in that moment. They've been exposed to some type of sinful behavior that they didn't know even existed. I think it's much harder for that person than, let's say, a 30-year-old that is a- abused in some way, and they already know about evil and wickedness in the world. Okay, so so I think Don Henley ha- has a point. This is the end of the innocence. It happens to everybody. Uh, again, there's a moment when you realize, yeah. uh, you know, and I'm still I'm still going through that. Uh, maybe now the one thing that surprises me is not the wickedness of others. The thing that surprises me is my own wickedness. Yeah, you know, where where you're just shocked at how what you your thought- wickedness surprises me. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. And 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 listen, I, one of the things that always amazes me is when someone is self speaks in a self deprecatory manner and and somebody else agrees with them they're like wait a second that's not that's not me um you know so if you if you say well i've noticed some things about you which you have uh, that that are concerning i'm not one that goes oh how dare you i know it and i don't even know the depth of my wickedness because there were things that i really thought i you know i i treat my wife well and i treat my kids well and then you start realizing where are your motives in this Are, are they selfish and so god kind of peels back that onions onion so there's an end of innocence with with Everybody. In fact, if if you never arrive at that, you're, um, I, I don't know that you you're able to mature, right? Um, because part of that is realizing, like, my only hope in this life for my own sin and the sin of those around me is Christ Jesus Himself, and that that come you have to come to a place where you recognize sin. In fact, when I listen to people's testimony, I, I, I you know I don't want to correct them and say, well, you didn't say this or this. But I do want to say, if, if you get don't get to a place where you recognize you're a, you, you are a sinner and your only hope is salvation in Christ Jesus and to repent and to believe, uh, you can't be saved. All right. Um, but, the, but the other part of this is, to the pure, all things are pure. Those in Christ know that we have liberty and freedom. Um, and, and so we can receive things and, and they're, they're pure to us. Like, you know, when Peter realized he could, he could eat the meat that he had never touched before, the unkosher meat that he had never yeah. touched before. And, and it was pure, but to the Pharisees, nothing is pure. Right. So, so I think, I think there may be a, a couple ways of, of understanding this. Um, but, but let's keep reading nothing. Uh, so, so, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, both their minds and their consciences are defiled. So that the way you think is jacked up. That's and, scary. Well, but I, I believe the way everybody thinks is messed up, but our hope is to take every thought captive to obey Christ. Right. That's how you fix your thinking. Right. But the defiled, they don't see it that way. We were just talking about MacArthur and his marriage counseling. You know, you want to tell that story or no, go ahead. Okay. So uh just uh allegedly and, and I heard him say it, I just don't want to misquote him, but John MacArthur was talking about uh, somebody came in and said, Hey, would you count uh be our marriage counselor? We're having some trouble. And he said, Well, do you believe in Jesus Christ? No. Do you believe God's word is inerrant, inspired, and insufficient, perfect? No. Well, then I really can't help you. And you know, so cause that's a defiled mind, and you're gonna have 
you're not going to be able to work with it in the same way. Yeah. So that's that's not John MacArthur's area of expertise is to walk through the defiled mind. Give them the gospel for sure, but but not if they don't trust uh, the word to fix the marriage. Go ahead. Since you brought it up, as an aside, would you counsel that person? Um. Uh, I, maybe, but the one thing I'm going to keep emphasizing is without faith, it is impossible to please God. So even if you fix your marriage, it's not like, you know, I mean, that, that'll help your kids. That'll help your marriage in some sense, but you're not doing your soul any favors. Right. So, right. so, so without anything that does not come from faith, does not proceed from faith is sin. Right. And it's dead. And it's dead. Yeah. So, so I yeah. would take, I would take on that case from the standpoint of, of being evangelistic. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but 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 it's it, it is like you know banging your head against the wall because the most that you can hope for is, a, a, yeah. Well, we won't get into that. That that would open. That's a long conversation. I'll leave that one alone, uh, for now. Um, so so their minds are defiled. Their consciences are defiled. Right. Yep. Uh, I've said this a lot. I, I honestly believe most people, when they say God told me, it's their conscience speaking. And you can, everyone has a conscience. It's your inner courtroom. It's the one where you go, oh, ah, that's wrong. It's the thing. And you can have a weak conscience. You can have a defiled. You can have an evil conscience. You, th- these are all things that scripture allows for. You can have a clean and clear conscience that the Bible allows for. Um, so you have this conscience that's your inner courtroom. And I think when someone says, you know, hey, I was going to walk into a bar which as a Christian, you're at liberty to do. And that's, that's kind of what's going on here. You know, drunkenness is always a sin, but you're, you're at liberty to walk into, bar. oh, I just knew I couldn't. Well, that's a, a weaker brother that, and I would never, let me, let me emphasize this. I would never, ever want to encourage a brother to go against his conscience. If you teach a brother to act contrary to their conscience over time, you will, you will help sear that conscience and it will no longer be listened to when there's a God word, uh, warning you know, the conscience is warning you about ungodly things. You won't listen to it. You'll have developed the habit of ignoring your conscience, but your conscience can be wrong. Right. So how do you have a good and clear conscience? You shape it according to God's word, right? So the spirit of God works on your conscience according to the word of God. So the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So you really do need to be meditating on God's law day and night for your mind and for your conscience's sake. Like that is a big, big idea in Puritan thinking. So Shaping just, the conscience. I just want to um, throw this out there. It, okay. It is not likely that 100% of our listeners are saved. Okay. If all you're getting uh, from Scripture is this podcast, or even this podcast and whatever church you're going to, okay. it's not enough. It's not enough to shape your conscience according to God's Word. You need to be on the word, in the Word personally, yourself, on your own, aside from this podcast, aside from the time you spend in church. You need to be in the Word. Okay. And without the Spirit of God, uh, he's speaking to the flesh. Right. And Paul warned against that. Like, you guys, I, you know, I, I should be able to speak to you in more than just as carnal people as fleshly people, as unsaved people. You you are children of God, and the Spirit of God is dwelling inside of you. So, um, you know, the Spirit gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken, they are spirit and they are life. And so you need to be—so so, so let, let, let me back up. If you are unsaved, 
the word then is just a great self-help book, a true self-help book, but it's, that's, Russ and I would warn you against that type of thinking. Right. If you just say, Hey, I'll follow the word and be fine. You won't be. No. This life is a vapor. It passes away. Uh, you need to confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. Receive Him into your heart. He, you know, He dwells there. The, that heart of stone has been ripped out and received. By that, I just mean believe. That heart of stone has been ripped out and replaced with a heart of flesh. And the Spirit Himself dwells in you. You should look for fruit in your life, like love, joy, peace, patience. You should be a changed person over time. God working in you by the power of His Holy Spirit. You should notice new affections in your life. Suddenly, where prayer used to be boring or tedious to me, I enjoy it now. Um, uh, you should look for growing hatred of sin. Uh, those things you should bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Both John the baptizer says that Paul says that in acts 26, 20, you should bear fruit in keeping with repentance. There's, there's a lot of things that you can look for in your life, which are a work of God dwelling inside of you. So again, if this is, if the Bible is simply basic instruction before leaving earth, I want to warn you. You may not be saved. And, and again, if you just kind of fix your life on the out, outside and become like a Pharisee, you're a whitewashed sepulcher. Tomb. <laughs> the sweet, melodious sounds of Russ Fox. Tomb. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yes. Did I not cover anything there? No, it's really good. Really good. <laughs> and one, one of the things I was thinking for, for someone who maybe is not mature in their faith or maybe a new believer, uh, do you point people to certain specific books of the Bible to begin reading it, or do you say, nope, read it, Genesis to Revelation? Yeah, so so I, th I think that's where discipleship comes in. I think that's probably... So let me back up again. Um, in the... 50s, the youth movement took off in, and decisionism took off in the church, right? So I think maybe that's what you were alluding to before, false conversions, the suicide of the church yep. by Mark Dever, great, great sermon to listen to. But, but um, decisionism took off in the church where you uh, press for a decision more than understanding. And so you had a lot of false converts, right? A lot of people that said, oh, I love Jesus. Why? Because I prayed the prayer, walked the aisle. Well, that, that's not salvation. Okay, so now you got a bunch of unsaved people and you got to get these goats to act like sheep. So discipleship became more and more important, but for the wrong reasons. So I, I want to avoid that type of discipleship where you're just teaching the language and the lingo to people who are not saved so that they look a lot like saved people. You're, you're, putting, you're helping them put a veneer on. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking when someone is sold out for Jesus, the more mature, we're going to get into it tomorrow. In Titus 2, the more mature, teaching the less mature how to walk in Christ, how to follow him, how to, how to be a follower of Christ. And so then it becomes very individual. In some sense, there are universal truths that everybody needs to know and accept and receive. But but I think discipleship can be very individualistic. You know, maybe we need to address this book first. The whole counsel of God is important. All scripture is God-breathed and profitable. I don't want to avoid anything. But let's work through some of these ideas first. Let's work through some of these uh, practices. You know, orthodoxy leads to orthopraxy, mm -hmm. right? So let's get the right doctrine that leads to right practice. And then uh, good theology always leads to appropriate doxology. Good, good thinking about God leads to good worship of God. So those are some, some ideas maybe that, that'll be helpful. But I, discipleship, discipleship, discipleship is really important as you, as you begin your faith walk. I usually start in John. Okay. The gospel. And, yeah, and, and that's kind of a general book to start people out in, you know, but but 
Um, you know, I, I've got a, a, a friend of mine that l- that believes in God, loves God, knows the Bible well, but struggles with with uh, he he struggles with knowing that he's saved. So where do you go? Maybe First John. You know, it's written that you may know that you have everlasting life. Yeah. Excellent. All right. So so just just being appropriate in particular. It's again, you go well. That doesn't make any sense at all. The gospel that that Peter. Uh, said in you know proclaimed in acts 2 is the same gospel but presented in a very different way than paul does at the areopagus yeah all right good so we had a kind of a big detour there but uh they profess to know god but in their works they deny him um being abominable disobedient disqualified for every good work okay any thoughts there well i you know obviously jesus said if you if you love me obey my commands uh, we know that faith without works is dead, uh, but obviously we know that works don't save you. And so Amen. here, uh, you know, he's saying very clearly, um, whatever work it is they're doing, they are not doing it for God's glory. And in fact, they're actually, by their works, they're denying Christ. Because whatever works they are, they're abominable, they're disobedient, they're disqualified for every good work. So they're they're not doing the work of Christ. All right, so uh, there are so many paths we can go and try to keep me focused. But First Samuel 15, Saul, uh, partial obedience to God. Partial obedience to God is disobedience, right? Absolutely. And so, delayed obedience is delayed, disobedience. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And so, and so we are, if, and this, I love this, we don't obey God um, and, and then say, ha, we love you. The love of God and the love for God produces obedience in our hearts, right? So so, um, works are not what you do to earn God's affection. Works are what happen when you love God and have affection for him. Not to earn anything, that's called legalism, but because you have a relationship with him. Those that love God, obey him. Right, and, yeah. and it will not be a perfect obedience. But I'm telling you this: this is what uh, Titus one is telling us here: is if there is no sanctification, if there is no growing in holiness, un- imperfect as it is, if there is no sanctification, there was never any justification. And you, c- and and then here's another: as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. Like y- you can say everything you want, but your heart will soon be on display. Yeah. It's it's not uh, it's not what goes in a mouth that defiles a man. It's what comes out. Right. So so your your faith will soon be on display. So you know my ethics teacher and and I try to get the congregation to, to maybe think through this, but he always used to say, uh, Doctor Lederbach. I, I think we said this a couple episodes ago as well. But your stated belief plus your practice equals what you actually believe. Yeah. Oh, I believe this. Yeah, but your practice equals what you actually believe. And if you want a more um, a biblical reference if you turn to Hebrews 3 and this is in the ESV the 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 Greek is a little more similar but in the ESV it says this about in Hebrews 3:18 to whom did God swear that they would not enter his rest but to those who were disobedient so we see that they were unable to enter because of their unbelief unbelief obedience and belief are always tied together in scripture and in our lives what you believe is what you're going to practice right and, and and again, truth is more important. So what I believe is not the most important thing. Truth is the most important thing. I can believe there's a heaven or not. I can believe there's a savior or not. The truth is always going to be more important. But what you practice is going to be what you believe. Right. So um, so so let's just read maybe, uh, oops, I switched. Titus uh, 1 again. 
Titus 1. Here, here we go again, and maybe we'll close on this. There are some people, and these people are those that are defiled. Their minds and their consciences, they're defiled. They profess to know God. And I think this is a great opportunity that we have to just pull some people aside and lovingly, if they're just denying God by their works, they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. And by the way, if they're elders earlier in Titus 1, Paul's going to say, we need to oppose those people and even silence them if they're teaching bad things. So if there's if there's a teacher that, you know, that, that is teaching ungodly things to people, uh, and there are appropriate biblical ways to do this that are not violent or, you know, I mean, you need to oppose yeah. bad teaching. Yeah. Okay. Always. Okay. Well, again, we, as always, we thank you listener for uh, joining us today. I hope this has been helpful for you and, and hope that you will continue to wrestle with the word of God as we will as well. And then we look forward to catching back up with you in tomorrow's episode until then. God bless. Thank you.